Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. Hey everybody, how's it going? I am so pleased to be preaching to you today on the topic of out of place, but perfectly positioned. Out of place, but perfectly positioned. And the Bible says in John 17, 13 through 19, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, ouch, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. And Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, we pray that you would speak to us today, be with us, refresh us, change us, and rearrange us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Have you ever felt out of place? Like a duck out of water, like a fish out of water. I suppose a duck probably feels at place on water, on land, and in the sky. So a duck probably has never felt out of place. But have you? For me, it's at like kids' playgrounds. Excuse me. For me, it's at kids' playgrounds. Fun Haven, Cosmic Adventures, Kids' Kingdom. You know the ones? Walk in, sanitize everything. Kids' ball pits, jumping trampoline things, crazy slides, climbing things, netting everywhere, colors. Um, You know, like um, styrofoam pads around all of the bars and walls. Kids' playgrounds. I don't want to be there. I don't belong at kids' playgrounds. I'm not up for it. I'm not of it. I'm not of the playground world. But because I have kids, which makes me a father, I am clearly there for a purpose. And that purpose, my friends, is supervision. So then I change my attitude, and I might even start to have fun because I realize my purpose in the chaos. Maybe, friends, take a minute to write this down. Once I realize my purpose, it changes my conduct. Once I realize my purpose, it changes my conduct. If it can be said for kids' indoor playgrounds, I submit to you today that it can be said for our lives too. Which brings us to the writing of John, the the preaching, teaching, and prayer of Jesus. I'm coming to you now, but I say all of these things while I'm... I am still in the world, he says. Verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is this, not that you take them out of the world, verse 18, as you sent me into the world, you have sent them into the world. Note the language here. He says, my prayer is, he says, my prayer prayer is this, this is my prayer. Jesus is praying for us. That's really cool. He's interceding on our part, on our behalf. Not that you take them out of the world, he says, but as you sent me, I've sent them. Not out of the world, but sent into the world, but not of the world. Jesus 
is the sent one of the Father. Have you ever thought about that? That the Father sent Jesus. That we say that there's a, uh, um, oh, they call it an economic trinity. And, you know, I said language is not perfect, but the trinity, we believe in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, like three manifestations or three persons. And we believe that the Father is like the first amongst equals. Because Jesus is the sent one of the Father, and so is the Holy Spirit. But they're all one God. Jesus is the sent one of the Father, and we are the sent one of Jesus. Which makes us not only the sent one of God, but we're also the sent one of the sent one. That you and I are being sent by Jesus into the world, and he's praying for us. And he says, don't take them out of the world. They've got to be a part of it. If they're going to make a difference, they're the answer. Like the people that I've raised up, that we have blended in and adopted into our family, they are plan A. That for Jesus, heaven is his home. And he is saying, I've sent them there, just like you sent me here, for a purpose, to save people. That for us, heaven is now our home. We're immigrants, aliens on this planet. But if heaven was our immediate destination, wouldn't we have been sent up, just zapped up to the clouds the moment that we get saved? We here have work to do on this planet. Clearly, we are here for a purpose, to redefine and recreate culture. To be in the world, but not taken out of it, but to be sent into it. Jesus is encouraging us to live a life just like him, a change agent, a revolutionary someone who looked to see change in the lives of people from the inside out. Jesus was concerned with actions, for sure, but was much more concerned with intent and attitude, thoughts, ethics, morals, values, that these things were his focus. Not external fashion, wealth or glamour, but the internal, fruit for sure, but more interested in the root. H.G. Wells says that Jesus is the most dominant figure in human history. That he split time in two. Who do you know has done that? Exactly. Good luck. Jesus. That more books are written about him than anyone else in history. That his bibliography has been translated into 2,000 different languages. That the Bible has sold over 5 billion copies worldwide. The next best, 800 million. The highest selling non-religious book, 140 million. That the Jesus film was produced in over a hundred languages and was seen by more people than any other movie ever produced. That he never traveled beyond an area greater than the size of Wales, yet his influence was truly global. Christianity is the largest grouping of followers that the world has ever seen. 2.2 billion people today confess Jesus as Lord. That he's the most controversial, influential leader in human history. That you either adore him or oppose him. That his teaching has either been passionately rejected or accepted. Highly scrutinized that every word that he's spoken has been relentlessly analyzed. That even right now, millions of people every day are trying to study, like you and I, what he said. And trying to apply it to our everyday life. A historian about Jesus once said that without writing a single line, Jesus set more pens in motion furnished more themes for more sermons, orations, discussions, learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times combined. But Jesus lived a simple life. He's controversial for sure, but humble. 
Jesus was involved in the culture of his time. He was present in the concerns, issues, and challenges of those who he was surrounded by. He went to weddings and funerals, family celebrations, festivals. Yet he was so radically different that he created a new culture, a new way, a new kingdom, the way of Jesus. That Jesus brought true transformation, genuine life change, inside out kind of change. That he was not concerned with what people wore. He was more concerned with the way they treated people. That he was not concerned about their wealth. He was more concerned with the way they spoke the intentions of the heart, the attitudes of the soul, the, the hidden and secret things of the mind. The Pharisees were concerned with behavior. Jesus was concerned with heart intention. His issue with them is that he, they made spirituality difficult to attain. He came to address that. He came to address the issue of the Pharisees by bringing rest. He came for the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus came to establish a new way of living, a, a, a new way of thinking, a new way of relating, a way centered around himself, that Jesus is a revolutionary change agent whose goal is to transform the human heart from the inside out. You know when you meet someone and they find Jesus, or greatest miracle, and then it changes the way they talk, the way that the clothes they wear, the way they act, beautiful, but it's a transformation and an overflow of what's taking place on the inside. So what about you and me? What does this mean for us today? If we're immigrants and aliens, then we're out of place. We're, we're, we're out of touch. You're feeling like me at the kids' cosmic adventures. You're feeling like you're just not supposed to be there. It's for kids, not grown adults. You feel out of place. But at the same time, surely Jesus is saying that they be sent into the world, not taken out of it. Surely that means that we're perfectly positioned. Not out of place, but perfectly positioned. Because of Jesus' impact on our lives, let me talk to you about what I think that means for us today. Number one, if you're taking notes, change nothing. Change nothing. Don't change anything. Zero, zilch, scratch. Change nothing. Nothing external. Live your life. Go to work. Love your friends. Have fun. Live in la vida loca. No, I don't think that. I don't know. I don't, even know. I don't even know what that means. That was Ricky Martin, one of the greats. Live your life. How did Jesus live? He lived simply. He was part of a family. He had a hometown. As far as we can tell, he worked. He worked in the family business. John 2 talks about him attending a wedding. We knew that he enjoyed food with strangers and food with friends. He was a team builder, a poet, an orator, a, a, a profound individual, but a simple person. He went about his life. He did normal daily things, had relationships. He ate, he drank, he walked. He attended bonfires on the beach. He sailed. And he, he sailed and walked at the same time. He recognized that living a normal and everyday life is a part and parcel of being a human. He's one of the greatest teachers to ever walk the face of the planet, yet in his life wrote no books. But on the other hand, he lived radically. He ruffled feathers changed perspectives. He made a true and genuine difference in the life of people. His life was not glamorous in any way. Isn't this the carpenter's son? They said in the book of Mark. A humble job, a noble occupation. He seemed to know an awful lot about gardening, fishing, probably because he did a lot of those things. Friends, let me encourage you today. 
to live a life that is going to make a significant impact for Jesus, change nothing. Live your life. Do normal things. Following Christ, simply put, does not need to be glamorous. I had a big conversation with a bunch of people the other day about celebrity pastors. And my question to them was simply this. What is a celebrity pastor? You've been a part of discussions just like I have, where celebrity pastors are thrown under the proverbial bus. Celebrity pastors, this and that and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. My question to you is, what is a celebrity pastor? Because there are some definitions of that phrase, of that title, of that moniker, that I'm like, yeah, no, that's not great. But there are other definitions where I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with having influence? What's wrong with having a life that people want to follow? What's wrong with growing and having 10,000 followers on Instagram because the things that you have to say add value to people's lives? Is that person a celebrity pastor? Am I a celebrity pastor? But there are some definitions where you realize, now actually, you know what? Using your influence for self-aggrandizement, self-gratification, maybe even the manipulation of others, the fulfillment of the self-fulfilling prophecy of what it is to be a celebrity, that's not great. I don't think that that's something that Jesus would necessarily endorse or even do himself. But you and I, we look at that and we go, oh, maybe that's what it is to be influential, to be glamorous, to be popular. Jesus was not popular or glamorous. In fact, lived a life where people hated him so much that they took his very life. Understand today, change nothing. You can live a normal life and change the course of human history. How do I know that? Because Jesus did it. How do I know that? The Apostle Paul, the saints, the apostles, the disciples did that. They lived a normal life. Number one, change nothing. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Change everything. Change everything. Everything needs to change. You need to change. I need to change. Change it all. A man buys a, a whole field, the Bible says. The parable of the the pearl of great price. A man buys a whole field, Jesus is preaching, because he knew that in that field lied a pearl of such great price that he sold everything he owned to buy that field to get that pearl. We need to understand today that this is a picture of how we should treat our relationship with Jesus, that he is so precious, so valuable, that we should sell everything to gain relationship with him. The amazing thing about him is that it's a free gift to follow Jesus. It's a free gift to accept salvation in our lives. However, to follow Jesus, to pick up my cross daily, costs me a great deal. But the pearl of great price encourages us that in pursuit of that pearl, that is Jesus, that it is worth changing everything. This is a picture of how we should treat our relationship with Jesus. He brought radical, revolutionary ways of living life the most revolutionary ways of living life of following Jesus is that nothing should remain the same. This is, are you confused, Levi? What are you preaching here? Oxymoronic sermons, maybe. Maybe just moronic. I am so far from the man that he wants me to be. But I am so far from the man that I once was. But I'm not yet the person that God has called me to be, but I praise him that I'm not who I once was. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Oh, that's the end of the scripture. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. 
through one man, we have all become sinful. Sinful from the womb, the psalmist writes. That this is bad news. Bad, 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 bad news. Left to our own devices, we are not capable of doing consistently good things. I mean, I've got so much to do. Improvements abound. Like, okay, so despite my personal deficiencies in life, my massive blind spots, my bad attitudes, I've got three immediate goals in my marriage right now. Right now. I've got five immediate goals at work. <laughs> like In this room that I'm preaching, there are members of our staff who are listening to me preach right now who are both currently working. They're currently working because we've all got goals at work. We've all got things we need to do. In fact, over here is Chris. Hey, bro. Chris is going to finish this sermon recording. He's going to MC with Jaden. He's then going to edit both of these sermons that I've preached to you today. I changed my shirt. And all oh, that was supposed to be secret. And, uh, you know, because it's like all subconscious, isn't it? Then he's going to go away and he's going to tomorrow night prepare for the worship night. That's tonight. He's doing all of this tonight. Then tomorrow he's going to go away for a two-day songwriting retreat come back on Sunday, lead worship, hopefully with seven brand new songs that the church's worship team has written, bring God's presence in that place, like David in 2 Samuel 6, is going to be amazing. Jaden last week just led the, the best interest night that we've ever had in our whole church. A bunch of people came from the interest night to church on Sunday. Church is growing, student ministries. The other day, I was like, how many students are we praying for? And he's like, I'm not sure, maybe X. And I was like, okay, cool, we planned for X. You know how many people came and got prayed for in the, on the altar for the students in the church? Why? You know what Y is? Y is not X. Y is 50, which is two times X. We've got things to do. We've got improvements to be made. We've got changes. I've got countless goals with my kids. I've got a marathon to run. My legs are so sore. I accidentally ran a half marathon yesterday. That wasn't my plan, but it just happened. My legs are sore. I've got things to do. This is even before I look at my own personal deficiencies. In our family, we have phrases. It's easy to say sorry. It's not how we behave in our family. Don't spit, you know. Don't hit. Stop picking your nose. Treat each other with respect. I say all of these things to say that you and me, whilst on the one hand, should just live our life and not be anxious about getting to the end of our life and not making a difference with our life. Change nothing. Live your life. Go to work, love your family and friends. But on the other hand, we've got to change everything, bro. Change everything. I need to repent. I need help. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who else can understand it? The Bible doesn't paint a great picture for the inherent ability that we have to sin and make mistakes. We need to change everything. But number three, if you're taking notes, change something. Change nothing, bro. Change everything. But number three, change something. The goal of my previous point of anything was to overwhelm you. I think I was probably successful. We can't change everything. That's not possible. It doesn't work. New Year's resolutions that go beyond one or two things fail and they're forgotten. 2019 was one of my best years that I'd ever lived. One of the most successful years of my personal life. And I only had one goal that year, and it was simply this, to get closer to Jesus. I put aside financial aspirations, other personal goals, and said, this year, I just want to get closer to Jesus. And that one goal drove my life. In short, if we're going to bring about personal change because of Jesus and global transformation that comes from that place, just pick one thing. What is it for you?
You can't change everything. And I think I should encourage you to change nothing. Go about your life. But if you are going to change, just pick one thing. To bring Christ into your world, to have impact in those around you. This is where you and I get to ask Him for help. We get to pray and say, God, when I have a devotional time with God, I very rarely find that He's trying to help me with an abundance of things. I don't know about you, but when I get really close to Jesus, I find that He's not like really loud. He doesn't come with a list, but it might just be one or two things. And I just feel like He's impressing on me. Say sorry to your wife. He's impressing on me. Reach out to that person. He's impressing on me. Forgive that person. Um, what's the one thing? Patience, your temper, empathy, kindness, love, integrity, positivity, your cynicism. What's, right now, God's speaking to you right now. Are you cynical? Are you a gossip? Are you self-centered? Are you judgmental? Do you speak over top of people? What are those things that God is saying right now? That one thing. I, I, I love young men that do like a valiant man course. We did our version of valiant man um, a little too long ago. Now we probably need to revisit it called NPC. And I have so much respect for these men that did this course. A few weeks, they got together, they talked, they watched a few videos, because they've identified. You know what they've identified? They've identified one thing, just one thing, that I probably uh, look at the wrong things online. They've identified just one thing. Someone who goes to an Alcoholics Anonymous course, goes to a meeting, has just identified one thing. People who go to therapy, usually just identify just one thing. People that get prayer with a mentor have just identified one thing. Talking to someone you trust, friend, just identify one thing. Do all of these things to single out a palatable way that you can improve day by day and just pick one thing. Change nothing, change everything. But in summary, change something. I talk to Jesus every day and very seldom do I find that there's a number of things that he's highlighting in my life and raising the bar and the standard on a truckload of issues that I need to change. Just one thing. Rome wasn't built in a day. Ask God to illuminate to you what that thing is and then ask him to help you with it. Imagine if you have kids. If you have kids, it's not hard to imagine. Imagine for me if my kids came up to me. Imagine if Joby came up, she just turned four. And she's like, hey dad, um, hey, I was wondering if you could help identify in me what's one thing I need to change. I'd be like, oh. Well, you're pretty much the most cute, perfect little package of unicorn goodness that the world has ever seen. Jovi has what I call the trifecta. She not only looks cute, she not only sounds cute, but she does cute things. Because you, you could have a child that's two of three or one of three. You could have a child that looks cute and isn't cute. You know those little punks? They look super cute, then they talk. You're like, oh my gosh, this, this child is the enemy, you know? And they don't do cute things. But then you have one who looks cute, sounds cute, acts like a brat. But then you have one who acts like an angel but doesn't look cute. So no one's like, your baby's cute. They say, your baby's so well behaved. Jovi looks cute, acts cute. And when she talks, man, when her and Lily Humphrey get together and talk, it's the cutest dialogue you might ever hear in your life. So she comes to me and says, hey, Dad, what can I improve? I'll be like, oh, uh, it was difficult for me to find something. Oh, um, when you eat, you often don't clean your face. And there's tomato sauce on your cheek. And then she gets the opportunity to say, cool, thanks, Dad. Could you please help me with that? As her father, I'm not going, hey, here are your issues. See you later. And I wipe my hands and then walk away. I'm going to go, yeah, of course I can help. Let me show you how to do it. 
use these wet wipes, this tea towels for hands, this one's for the face, let's go to the washroom. I'm gonna identify the thing and then I'm gonna help walk, walk her through it. When it comes to your relationship with God, He's a God of empathy, a God of love. He's your benevolent, creative Father. He loves you very much. He made you, then adopted you into His family. Remember that. So when you come to Him and say, God, man, I want to make a difference in the world. I'm pumped. The world needs Jesus, and I'm here for it. What's one thing that I could do better? Believe that He's going to tell you. Believe that He's got an answer to that prayer. But then pray another prayer. And this one might even be better. Pray this prayer. Pray. Could you help me with it? And believe that he will. That he not only illuminates the issues and the improvements and the challenges, the deficiencies of our life, the blind spot, but he wants to help you immediately and has the resources to do so, to fill you with the Holy Spirit and see you walk in freedom. And so before we close, before we give people a chance to receive Jesus today, could I please pray for you those two things? Can I lead us in a prayer? that helps us identify what's the one thing. And then on top of that, helps us identify a God that will help us with that one thing. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. We're here today in this beautiful place, in this wonderful space. And we ask you today, God, would you illuminate? Would you show us, God, that if there are deficiencies in our life, if there are issues that we face, could you help us with them? Could you walk us through that process? Could you shine a light? Search my heart, O Lord, David wrote in the Psalms. And, and, and we want to be a, a Christian that lives that life that asks you to search us. And God, now that you illuminate right now, we believe it to be true. And just hear God right now. God will speak in pictures and he might be showing you something. We receive it today. We repent. But God, second to that, we ask you today, would you help us? Would you give us your Holy Spirit and the help that we need in this issue. And we thank you that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're here and you got invited by a friend or you're, you're watching at home on your countertop, laptop, other device, and you're not right with Jesus, you're away from him. You're not walking with God. If that's you today, friend, I, I love you so much. And I would encourage you today that relationship with God is one prayer away relationship with God is one act of repentance away that you might be away from him but he came close to you and if you're here today friend I would love to pray a very simple prayer and believe that in that moment your whole life can be changed and so this is what we're going to do I'm going to say the line of a prayer and I want you where you are to repeat it out loud to me as a prayer to the Lord and he'll hear you as you pray and he's faithful to forgive the prayer goes like this dear Lord Jesus I come to you I need you in my life, I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Be blessed. Love you so much. So stoked for people who have prayed that prayer, made that decision today. I'm going to hand you back now to our service MCs. I love you so much, church. We'll see you next time. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.